you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. David. Football. Football, David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program, available as always on Stitcher, iTunes, and NFL.com slash Sheck. No matter how excited you get in the summer months leading up to football season, week one rarely disappoints. In fact, it outstrips your uh, your greatest sense of optimism for exciting football action. We got it once again. We're going to break it down with our blue ribbon panel here in Studio 66. Of course, we're also going to kibitz about, unfortunately, because who wants to be talking about this? I want to be talking about the deeds within the lines. Unfortunately, then we wake up on Monday morning to the ongoing ugliness with Ray Rice and the Baltimore Ravens, as you know by now. Uh, Ray Rice has been released by the Ravens, and uh, it seems like the right sort of th- right uh, direction to go here. And the league doubles down on that and suspends Ray Rice indefinitely. They say, like I say, we have uh, a couple of wise fellas in here to help make some sense of it. One of whom was a scout with the Baltimore Ravens some time ago. First of all, though, let's say hello to the man who sat in the exact same chair he seated into my immediate left last week in front of the Week One action and predicted the Miami Dolphins would upset the New England Patriots. He was right. It does get the asterisk because he is our resident Miami Dolphins fan. Just the same, it's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. How are you, Handsome? I couldn't be better, Dave. I imagine not. Congratulations. You lead the AFC East. You look down on the Patriots. I, that's true. It's funny. I've been congratulated as if I had some kind of a role in this by many people over the last 24 hours. I want to say outright now I didn't have anything to do with it at all, but I'm still excited about it. Well, you made the pick at the very least. I did make the pick, and I wouldn't. I would take that asterisk that you mentioned away because I made that pick fully believing that they would, that they would win brain. that game. Not with, with the your brain, heart. not with my heart. I mean, a little heart, obviously, but a lot of brain as well. Um, also, we will be, uh, I should mention, we're going to be uh, kibitzing in just a little bit here with Stevie Johnson, new to the San Francisco 49ers and uh, their gaggle of wide receivers at last count. I think they have 29 of them on the roster. And uh, also here in Studio 66 with us, the man who has just begun or brought back his uh, podcast, Move the Sticks. You know him on Twitter, at Move the Sticks. And if you're a football fan, you absolutely have to be following him, at Move the Sticks. It's Daniel Jeremiah. What's the poop, fella? I'm doing good, Dave. Thanks yeah. for thanks for having me. I don't think we've all three of us have been together in quite some time. I know, and but I, I, no one feels luckier than I do when this when the two of you are seated next to each other. I've said it before. I think this is maybe the basis 
for a movie, you two have the same Charlie's parents. Angels with a different twist on it with three guys. <laughs> like that, yeah. 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 I mean, somehow it, it, it's hard to figure why one of you has an English accent and the other one has a uh, has a West Coast American accent. Could but be like a parent say, trap thing. That's what I'm Could saying. Exactly. We're somehow separated accidentally yeah. at the hospital. I don't know where it was. Well, we had to do that deal the other day where they were taking all the pictures with jerseys, right? You know, we had everybody in the office had to take a picture, and so – they asked me which jersey I wanted to wear. Um, I said I, I don't really care. I'm not really a believer that grown men wear jerseys. Um, but they gave me Handsome's uh, Merino jersey, so I rocked it. And I'm, I'm wow. kind of waiting for the People magazine who wore it best because right. I'm sure he's been like board <laughs> shorts just walking along the boardwalk with his Merino jersey and his flip-flops. We ain't waiting for People magazine. Black tie, make that a specific to uh, to the listener here. Let's put uh, Handsome Hank versus Daniel Jeremiah. Who wore it better in the Merino, the uh, the lovely turquoise or, yeah. or aqua? Aqua, I think you guys call it, right? Yeah. So we want to break these games down, but real quick, it gives me no pleasure to talk about the Ray Rice stuff. Like I say, I think the league did the right thing, delayed though it was, and the Ravens did the right thing and all that, but we've probably, I'm assuming I say the Royal We, I assume we've all seen this video now, pretty ugly stuff, obviously. You know, I the, the the couple things, and I don't want to immediately start off as a shill for the league or to or to cut that figure, but I will say, I get that I I do in hindsight sort of look and see where the league office, where Commissioner Goodell probably came down on this, which was, you know, we've gotten hammered in the past for being overly, um, you know, for, for, for being overly harsh with some of the penalties we've handed down. Ray Rice has been clean for the entirety of his career. And if the local authorities in the judicial system didn't see fit to penalize Ray Rice more harshly, then should we be playing moral police here? Should we get over our skis and penalize him more harshly than this, given, like I say, his pristine record? So, I, you know, I, 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 everybody is rightly upset about the handling of this. Goodell himself said that he should have handed down a, a, a harsher penalty to begin with, but also shouldn't a lot of our anger, more of it be directed at our legal system that somehow led to Ray Rice just walking away from all this when we see what we see on that video and not leaving it to a professional sports league to handle? What's more, you know, I see other people saying that, uh, you know, look at how the NBA is handling its ugly situation of its own with the ownership and, uh, you know, some some rough language, some racist type of language, and it's not just with one team now, it's at least with the Atlanta Hawks as well. But even that is that's more of a that's it's not against the law what those owners are doing. So it's a different standard for the NBA to handle it the way it wants to. This is playing off of in a reactive sort of a way what the legal system has handed down. And now the league, I feel like the NFL was sort of playing off of that judgment, like I say, you know, by the nation's judgment or the or the nation's legal system. So it's a very difficult, ugly thing. But the one thing's for sure, I think I, based on what I've seen on social media and otherwise, it seems like uh, that, uh, that that this is the right move. I don't see much defense for it at this point. And with that being said, let's move on. Let's get off of this now. I feel like uh, I feel like we'd rather be talking about football. Am I right about that, Hanson? Yeah, we, let's not be party poopers. We just have week one. As we're coming at you from Studio 66, maximum strength! 
or just New Studio 66. Yeah, there was a thunder strike up in Detroit. Calvin Johnson, what was this, the first play of the game here? No, this is a few plays yeah. in. They hit Reggie Bush on a couple passes, and then Matthew Stafford buying some time, and uh, you, you have that much time to throw the ball. Calvin Johnson's going to uncover, right. and you're not catching him. Well, there's no reason I should weigh in on this now when we could just wait and see how the game turns out, but I'll be surprised if Detroit doesn't hand it to the Giants tonight. <laughs> Bold prediction. Watch the Giants come back. Well, listen, what, what, th- there's no such thing as an outrageous uh, uh, prediction to make at this point given how so many of those week one games went is there something dj that you see that means that and and when i say the 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 takeaway of week one more than anything else is to me is the up and down nature of these games on sunday night you 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 would have thought if you went to bed um at halftime you thought well the broncos probably won about 58 to to 10 right and and they in the Browns come back. Obviously, the Eagles come back against the Jags wasn't as surprising. The Bears, the Falcons overcame. came back. Yeah, I mean, what is there something about the nature of the game right now that makes this uh, easier to do? Well, one one thing I thought that was a trend from Week One, and this happens every year. I think we might even talked about this last year, Dave, because of the limited contact we have now in training camps. Um, in the off-season program, there's very little physical contact that takes place. I think the early-season tackling is atrocious. Hmm. I mean, really you, you look at Kenny Vaccaro is a really, really good football player. He missed some awful tackles in that game that he doesn't normally miss. So I think there's a little bit of an adjustment period. And because of that also, you look at special teams, not as many full-speed special teams reps because you're limited in training camp. Well, we have five kicks blocked. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yep. So to me, those are two areas, special teams – and the tackling, I think we'll see improve as the season goes along. All right, well, that's a good place to start off. You mentioned Kenny Vaccaro here, and Black Tie, the producer behind the glass, back in his chair after taking last Friday off. Black Tie, you know that uh, football season started the day before, right? <laughs> I listened to the show. Great show, by the way. Shout oh, out wow, to thanks. Outside. That means a great deal. Actually, good show. I was not on vacation, though. Friday is my off day during the season. All right. Yeah. Very good. So, yeah. all right, Black Tie is redeeming himself. He's given us a little rundown here. He has uh, established, at least for this show, how we will address the week one action right. that we looked at here. And we start off, he's, he's entitled it, The Good, The Bad, and The Shameful. A little turn on that. Uh, oh, yeah. He's on a on creative a, guy He now. really is. Yeah, he's, he's outdone himself here. Now, for those checking in, the shame slash check report is back, of course. Football's back. That means the check report is back. And uh, that will be available for you on Tuesday, late afternoon, evening-ish. Be on the lookout for that, and we'll break it down there. And I can assure you, the name Tony Romo will come up in that one. (laughs) That's a shocker. (laughs) Under the good, though, the Falcons torching those New Orleans Saints. Kenny Vaccaro and his pals, 450-ish yards from Matt Ryan, a career high. And handsome. Did you get a load of this game? I know I it was did, happening yeah. at the same time as your Dolphins were. Yeah, no, I normally have my eye on two or three games, and that was one of the ones I was watching, mainly because actually the Saints are my Super Bowl pick. So I, I was expecting them to come out and sort of blow the doors off the Falcons. Yeah, I, I thought uh, the same thing. I don't I don't know blow the doors off of, but they did. were they up as money as 10? They or were up by even, 10 at one point. Um, and, what you know, I just thought, like I said before the season – Watching Hard Knocks and what little you can glean from that. Most seasons when I watch Hard Knocks, you are left with because of the way they put it together. Of of course, it's a promotional video on some level. And so you feel like you're you're watching the greatest team ever assembled. (laughs) But not this year. I thought this year, wow, this Falcons team does not seem like it's ready to go here. And then they go out and beat what I, I, you know, to me, I think. 
I said before the season, Packers beat the Saints to get to the Super Bowl, so neither one of us is looking terrific right now there, handsome. But, DJ, what do you think about these Falcons now? For real, was this uh, any kind of a mirage we saw against the Saints? Well, this is kind of what I've been saying through this process is, uh, you know, we watch hard knocks and all the rhetoric is about the Falcons being tough and this physical football team. And I've kind of said, you got a healthy Julio Jones, Roddy White's back, and now we see some of the other pieces with Devin Hester's, um, you know, evolution as a receiver and what they have there at Harry Douglas. I'm sitting here going, forget being tough. You need well, yeah. to chuck it, man. You've got some major mismatches out there. Uh, and they did run the ball a little bit better. They, they ran the ball fine. But to me, this team is built to play through the air, and, and that's what we saw. They can win a shootout. Do you think – do 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 personnel I, – I, this is a conversation that must happen. But philosophically, and clearly it happened with the Falcons in the offseason, given all of Mike Smith's talk about how we got to be tough, and he kept talking about that constantly to the point that it got a little silly. You know, he sounded like an uncle trying to use, a pot, use potty words to inspire his people, but he wasn't exactly comfortable doing it. Either way, do you guys sit around in – you know, you've been with the Browns, with the Ravens, the Eagles – and say, we can win games in the regular season, but we ain't going to win a Super Bowl. And the fa- not being able to get physical like that. And that always, to me, feels like that's the Falcons story, that they're one of those um, one of those teams that maybe they learned, you know, we got by the Seahawks barely a couple years ago, and then the 49ers out-muscled us. Do they ta- have that kind of a conversation? Well, I don't know that it gets talked about in, in, in that area. I just think when you're getting through the draft process and free agency – uh, you kind of talk about, okay, what, you know, eventually you start off and say, how do we win our division? You, you look at the team that's in your division, and that's who you got to, you know, focus your attention on. How do we match up against them? And then, you know, after you've won your division a couple times, and, and Howie Roseman uh, with the Eagles talked about this the other day, they have the Seahawks depth chart up in their office, and that's what they look at. So they've got their sights set on more than the NFC East. So now it's not just, okay, let's build our team to win this division. We got to build a team to win a Super Bowl, and to do that, you have to construct it knowing who you got to go up against. And I think if you're the Atlanta Falcons, you look at that NFC West, and you look at San Francisco and Seattle, you're going to have to get through one, if not both, of those football teams. You better be able to hold up at the line of scrimmage, and that's been a major concern for them. And what? they still, they still thirty had thirty-four points scored on them yesterday. So as big a win as it was, that you know the toughness part of it, if that as that relates to the defense, if you've got thirty-four points being scored on you, then you know maybe you haven't succeeded in that area. Yeah, I mean from a fantasy perspective, it was that sort of feeling of kicking myself, like oh my, well, of course Matt Ryan was a was a better option than I gave him credit for being. Of course I should have gotten and gotten Roddy White. I sort of gave into the sort of the off-season snowball rolling down the hill that the Falcons um, were, were probably past, the, past their prime, or Roddy White was, and, and like I say, now I'm kicking myself. Is this the best collection of, uh, of skill position players Matt Ryan has now, DJ? I would say on the outside, yeah, but I mean, those early Michael Turner years, I mean, that was, uh, that was a nice piece to have in your mm-hmm. offense. I, I, they don't have a runner like that right now. It's a committee. And they How- don't have Gonzalez as well. Yeah. That they're missing that position. Well, so you're I, telling me you take Tony Gonzalez over Levine Toilolo? <laughs> <laughs> I think probably just. Well, the thing that's weird is that you watch last Thursday's game and you see what Percy Harvin, the factor that he can be out there, the distraction if nothing else. And we uh, we talked about it a few days ago. It seems like every team out there wants to have that guy, oh, yeah. even if he's even if he only gets two touches a game. But Devin Hester, if you're the Chicago Bears. Do you are, are they humiliated now? Like why do, why could we not have figured right. this out? 
One thing, though, you know, it's interesting with a guy like Devin Hester. I know the the return is the returnability is ridiculous. I mean, you can go down as the best ever. But watching him run routes on turf, you know, that fast turf, and he was crisp. And they, they, there was a crosser he caught. His release off the line of scrimmage was textbook. Um, didn't look like a returner trying to, you know, play a little receiver. He looked polished. So you got to give credit, I, I believe. It's, I think it's Terry Robisky is their receiver's coach. Whoever the receiver's coach has done a nice job with him. But I think also just playing on turf, uh, that's a big help. Handsome, you said the By the same. way, can we get the Broncos some new grass? How bad oh, yeah. was that? Burnt out brown stuff. It was slipping all over the place. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with grass in the state of Colorado altogether. <laughs> um, now, listen, handsome, you picked the Saints. Yes. I picked the Packers. I am a man who stands by what he predicts, and right. so I am not going to take the mulligan. I'm going to give it to you, though. Do you was is there a team out there, or do you want to shake up your NFC projections now, your playoff seedings? No, uh, no, I don't. I mean, look, the obvious one would be say, let's take the Seahawks and just you know I can walk away from it. But I'm going with the Saints. Uh, DJ, I'm not sure I knew know who your preseason NFC team is. I had Seattle uh, in the NFC, so obviously I'm not uh-huh. not budging off that one. But in the AFC. I had the Indianapolis Colts losing in the Super Bowl. Mm. Now, I'm no, it doesn't bother me the loss to Denver. I'm okay with that. I mean, you look at some of the issues. They played terrible, a million mistakes, and there still was you know, mm-hmm. a ball game. But I was kind of hanging my hat on the fact that Robert Mathis was coming back. That, that Achilles injury while serving a suspension, man, that is, that is a killer. Yeah, I wonder if people missed that news today amongst all the Ray Rice stuff. That's yeah. a huge story. I mean, this yeah. is a team that's got a chance to be, in my opinion, a Super Bowl team. They have no pass rusher, right. and now you take him out of the mix. That That's a huge blow. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, and in fact, I agreed with you about where the Colts could possibly finish this season. I had them going as deep as the as the conference title game there, um, especially in that division. I, I, I feel like uh, they can put here's, a bunch here's of wins the up there, but you're right. I mean, when you look at it, I, I know you were big on the Chargers, right? How far did you have the Chargers going? I have them winning the division. Okay, winning the division, but not going to the get, get, get to the division. But I mean, round. so I'm looking at this, going, okay, well, you know, the the Patriots, the only team in the in the East to lose, but none of those other teams. I mean, really, I mean, no offense to your Dolphins or whatever, they're not they're not winning anything this year. So that division, there's no there's no big time. I mean, they might win the division. They I'm saying they have a chance, but I mean, they're not they're not winning a Super Bowl. Right. What I'm getting at, or representing the AFC, the North. Pittsburgh, that was a choppy performance. The way the Browns ran all over them in the second half, they don't really wow you. Cincinnati and Baltimore was ugly as can be. You look in the south, Houston, I mean, Fitzpatrick, is he going to take his team to the Super Bowl? No. Tennessee, Jake Locker played all right, but you're not buying them as a team that could be in the championship game. Denver, and we already talked about them. So my thing is, like, the Colts, that's a huge blow. And then you kind of go through the whole AFC and go – Andrew Luck's pretty good. I mean, they're still they're still alive. I guess so, but that really is the uh, – let's look at the AFC, and specifically let's talk about uh, Handsome Hanks, Miami Dolphins, and that division. It's crazy that there are three teams tied for first, and uh, None of them the, are the New Patriots. England Patriots are looking up at all three of them. Yeah. I'm with you. I can't imagine the Patriots not coming through and winning this. But, you know, they got hammered on the ground – by the Dolphins, and it's not like anybody was talking about this being a powerful offense this year. People had high hopes that maybe Tannehill in year three would turn a corner, but Mike Wallace had a decent day against Darrell Revis, and more importantly, I feel like no Sean Moreno having his way against Vince Wilfork and company. That was a problem that they had last season, and it looks like it's going to be a problem again. Any reason to think, DJ, that this defense is going to be able to stuff the run as time goes on here? 
Well, they've had they've laid some stinkers now. If you look at the Patriots historically in Week One, I mean, remember yeah, you, not, you going right. back after it was a lawyer Malloy thing, right? When they yep. played Buffalo and got the doors blown off of them. So we'll see we'll see them settle down. I mean, the one thing is is offensively, if they can get out to a big lead, then you don't have to worry so much about having to defend No. Sean Marino carrying the ball a million times in, in that ground attack. To me, the big kind of takeaway from that game. Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady not on the same page. I know they had a touchdown, but I think he targeted him like 11 times, only completed four passes. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take a while for them to kind of get back in rhythm. What about it, handsome? What do you think, though? Are you you up on cloud nine? Have you allowed yourself to to consider the possibility of taking this division after the win down there in South Beach on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, to some extent. I think the thing that I was most impressed by is the Dolphins won the game despite Ryan Tannehill kind of having an average performance. It was more about... It was more he was about, under 200 yards, right? right? Yeah. And it was more about Cam Wake and Olivier Vernon. I think I, I predicted that, that on, on Friday. You deserve your kudos. You said watch it. That defensive front is going to be special. I think was the word you used. Right. They're going to bring heat, and and they were able to get to Brady. And then the other the other part was was you know about the offense and really being able to run the ball more effectively than like you said than, than we expected them to be able to. Dave, you're an agent of change, yes. right? You yes. like to see, you like to shake things yeah. up. Not really. Ask the, I, ask I, the I'm questions. Old school, but ask, all right. ask the important questions, right? You're kind of the Chip Kelly in the in the podcast. I world. think so. All right, that's um, fair. <laughs> Davy so football. They call I'm me. watching or Davy podcast. I mean, that's exactly. What I'm, to say. I'm, I'm watching Cam Wake. Right. Playing left end, right? And, and a lot of times the way it's always been, your best pass rusher, you put him at right end, and the thought being, okay, you, you put your heavier guy on left end because you got most teams run, they're right-handed, they put the tight end over there, so you need a bigger guy over there. The right tackles are bigger, more physical guys. You want to rush the quarterback's blind side, you go up against, you know, you put your athletic guy. I'm sitting here going, why? Why would every team not put their best pass rusher at left end and rush against these crappy right tackles we have in the NFL. The, the right tackles in this league, there's not five good ones. They're terrible. Hmm. So why – I don't know why more teams haven't done that. I would love to see the numbers. Are, are teams still right-handed running the ball? If not, why would you put your best pass rusher up Let's against their best pass protector? Let's get our researchers on this, our sublime researchers, and ask them that question, and we'll have it for you later in the week. I love that. J.J. Watt, you watch the highlights of J.J. Watt in passing situations. That's where he is. Now, obviously, he's a, a man-child. He can pull right. up against the run. You don't have to worry about him. But he's rushing against the right tackle from the Redskins. He has no chance of blocking J.J. Watt. None. I well, always the, the Patriots went a step further. On the sack that um, that Wake stripped the ball from Brady, yeah. they just decided not to block oh, him at all. Yeah, well, that helps, too. Yeah, it, but my assumption was always that it was a strategic ploy so that the quarterback doesn't see the guy coming. That it's a that's block. Ridi- I just but think I that's would rather. But my. But, but, but I, I've long said to me, I would rather if I want to get in the head of the quarterback, right. in his face, let, let him, him see, see you coming. And then he, you. then he's going to be uh, harried. You know, if you're not. You, I mean, I think it's Trent Williams at left tackle. I want to say Tyler Columbus at right tackle. Who do you think Cameron Wake wants to rush right. against? for, you know, 60 snaps a game. So, that being said, you're not buying the Dolphins oh, sorry, or the Jets or the Bills. Vollmer. It was Vollmer. He was playing against the Patriots, obviously. But but you looked at J.J. Watt against Columbus. That's not, a, oh, good, okay, not okay. a fair fight. What None of those teams impress you sufficiently to say that the Patriots are in any jeopardy? I just don't trust the quarterbacks yet. I mean, you know, E.J. Manuel, he, you know, they didn't ask him to do a whole lot. Um you know, Geno Smith showed some positive signs. Tannehill, you know, we just talked about throwing for under 200 yards. I just think over the long haul, over 16 games, Brady will play better. I think the one thing, though, is that there was some th- – yes, the Dolphins played well, but there were some things about that Patriots performance where it could – you could, as an as 
one of their future opponents look at it as a blueprint of okay well now we know how to get after this team we know how that how we can do it and that is basically they had a hard time stopping the run and that if you can if you can get that pressure if you can overwhelm their the right tackle if you can get in past the, that rookie guard as well they are um you know Brady's going to make some mistakes in broad strokes DJ do you suppose that the AFC East opponents of the of the Patriots said specifically the Jets we have to counter the Patriots specifically we have what they do well is what we now have because they are so defensive minded but then you look at the NFC West I mean the NFC North I should say and the Packers offensive juggernaut does that inform how the Bears hire coaching staff and players to say we have to keep up with the Joneses and be able to win these shootout games and the Lions or are they trying to counter that by being defense uh, dominant? Clearly, that's not the case with the Lions and Bears. Well, I mean, there's there's different ways to do it. I mean, you know, look, when I was in Baltimore, our, you know, the main teams were going up outside the division. You obviously had Pittsburgh you had to worry about inside the division. But you had the quarterbacks with Brady and Peyton Manning, and you knew it was going to be kind of a shootout. So we were a power team with Jamal Lewis, and we are going to try and run the ball down your throats. And that was, you know, kind of, okay, it's a contrast in style. We'll make them play our game. The problem with that was, you know, there's going to be times where you're going to have to play both styles. Right. And the Patriots and, and really the Colts even at that time were a little bit better at being able to adapt to when they needed to run the ball. And we couldn't we couldn't make Kyle Bowler be anything other than Kyle Bowler. So I think I think the the whole thing every everybody would like to have a stud quarterback and and let it be a passing team and just roll with it. But these teams in this division have to protect those quarterbacks, and I think that's why you're seeing them with the running game. Not so much based on the Patriots, more so on what they have. Handsome, who jumped out to you? You saw some breakout performances. We talk about Percy Harvin. That's no big surprise. Cordero Patterson might have surprised some, even though a lot of people were pointing at him in his sophomore year as a breakout star. Brandon Cooks doesn't wait in week one in the NFL. He looked dynamite even in the loss there. Who jumped out at yeah, you? Yeah, I was going to say Cooks, actually. He was he was a guy that I enjoyed watching during the preseason, and you just get the get the feeling sometime with, with that Saints team that when they find a guy, they're really going to emphasize it. They're going to they're gonna push him in your face the whole the whole day long, and especially starting in week one. And Brandon Cooks was pretty impressive yesterday. Well, apparently the Giants, in, <laughs> in breaking down the Lions' film, uh, did not see number 81 jump out to them. Because, Who is that guy? Well, he's Calvin Johnson, right. and they should pay more mind to him as this game unfolds here because he already has two By touchdowns. By the time we finish this podcast, him. he's going to have six touchdowns. Look out, Julius Thomas. Before the end of this podcast, you're going to be at best number two in the uh, touchdown receptions department here. Great catch there in the uh, at the back of the end zone. By Calvin Johnson. Who jumped out at you? Who surprised you, DJ? Anybody play better than you anticipated them to look? Well, I mean, my biggest surprise is the one we've we've been talking about the whole time. That's the Dolphins' offensive line. You know, to rush Notion, I think, at 134 yards. They only give up one sack uh, with all the new faces they had and what they went through last year. Uh, that was probably my biggest surprise. Uh, you know, if you'd, have, if you'd asked me the question at halftime of the Eagles-Jags game, uh, I would have said the Jaguars right. with what they were doing. Um, but then everything kind of uh, changed around pretty quickly there. I, you know, I'd still say... You know, the Buffalo Bills, when I think we might have talked about this before, when I went on my training camp tour, I said if you if you take 21 of their 22 starters, you can stack them up about, against just about anybody. I mean, that is a really, really talented football team. And to beat the Chicago Bears without Gilmore, your top corner playing, um, it kind of shows you what they have mm-hmm. up front. I mean, Kyle Williams, that interception was hilarious. I mean, <laughs> when you see a guy that big, not like not just dropping straight back and catching the ball. I mean, he's sprinting to the sideline and made a nice little, like, Willie Mays catch. It was sweet. 
Boy, Warren Sapp sings songs about Kyle he's Williams and says he's a top 15, top 20 NFL player. We're not talking about yeah, no. on the defensive side or anything. He loves that. He's big time. I was at practice. He forklifted, uh, I want to say it was Cyril Richardson, who's about 340 pounds. He just lifted him up straight off his feet, and it was, it was impressive. <laughs> All right, now let's get to some of the bad. Yes, Hanson. Well, just one other player, Dave, and I think you'll like this. A guy who I watched yesterday, and I kept looking up, and he kept making plays, is Le'Veon Bell. He was he he looked kind of Boy, shifty and electric, and it was it, everything good happened when the Steelers got the ball in his the, hands. The, I know DJ, you play this game a lot as a as an ex scout. Is who the pro comp is of that yeah. guy, and if you look at Levy and Bell, is still new to the league. I mean, he's shady McCoy to me, but with uh, maybe an extra gear. Um, but yeah, like you say, the word the shifty is what comes to right. mind. I mean, he can with, with what you're saying. Shady has an extra gear. No, I think Levy and Bell in a straight-ahead foot race has a has a higher oh, gear. No, I'm no scout, but Shady on. McCoy can outrun Shady. You don't need to tell me. Shady McCoy is has a faster no. forty than Lev Bell has. I'll have to look it up. I don't know. I, I, I would imagine it's not very close. Really? Yeah, I'll look it up. Hmm. Um, you know who he is? I'll tell you. You want the correct answer here, handsome? I would. Yes, please. He's Deuce McAllister. Is who he looks like. Yeah, but you know what? He's Dude, not as no, he's, he's not as heavy as that. That's he's what, Le'Veon Bell's like two hundred and thirty pounds. I know, but he's, but so, he's, but not, he's much but he's more, more angular. He's more. Deuce Eric McAllister Dickinson. was a stud. The, the, right. His early career, he could make people miss. Absolutely, boy. I mean, but in space, he. I don't want to. I don't want to make another high end oh comparison. Gosh. But I, I'm not saying he is Reggie Bush ish in this in in some of those cuts. But at full speed, he can he can uh, change direction with the best of them. Well, Shady McCoy's number one in my book for that. That's why right. Shady's my favorite runner to watch in the NFL. But uh, Levy and Deuce Bell McAllister compared- caught sixty nine passes. He rushed for sixteen hundred yards in two thousand three, and then caught sixty nine passes. But Lev Bell, maybe you know what? Maybe I get suckered in the way I assume he is suckering in defenders. Lev Bell is, which is that he sh- he has great patience. It, it feels like you know he does. He's not in a hurry to hit the hole necessarily. And he does go – he stays in first gear and then takes off. Right. And, and that's got to uh, stun defenders sometimes, the way he changes gears that way. Yeah, I, I, I thought uh, he looked very good, uh, at least for the first half there. What happened, DJ? What, what gives with that? How does a team – it was that easy? It, it, can, can Steeler fans say – can Broncos fans say – Bell ran 4-6 flat, by the way, just for your – Knowledge. Is that right? All right. That is not fast at all. FYI. For a running back, it's not too bad. But it's not shady fast. All right. What, what's Shady's 40 time, Mr. Smarty, behind the glass? At least a 4-5. Shady was at least a 4-5. All right. Listen to me. What do you say to – This is fun. This is, my, this is the most fun I've had in a podcast. What do, you say to, what do you say to Steelers fans, Broncos fans who escaped with a win or Eagles fans who escaped with a win but – just had atrocious 30 minutes of football. NFL, we got to win. That's all that matters. I I look at the Eagles situation, and when you watch that, what they did um, initially with Jacksonville, they rushed four. They dropped a bunch of people into coverage, and and he was trying to sort through all those bodies and wasn't decisive, was holding the ball too long, and they got pressure on him. And then you saw in the second half Chip Kelly make the adjustment, which he does most of the time, and they sent a lot of three and four verticals down the field, and they had those seams, and you saw Foles just pick them apart. So to me, you'd be encouraged if you're an Eagles fan offensively saying, okay, we got a guy that can figure things out, and Chip Kelly, it's what he's done his whole career. Uh, I did it again the other day, and if I'm, I'm, I'm playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, what I'm taking away from that is 
you can't show Chip Kelly the same look over and over and over again. It might work for a period of time, but you've got to constantly be changing things up. Don't let the quarterback see the same thing over and over again, or, or he'll pick you apart. So that was that was my take on that one. The Steelers game, that was troublesome to me just in terms of the up front. I mean, I mean they the, the Browns created a lot of movement against that Steeler front. That, to me, would be a little bit troubling. They got embarrassed. Yeah. Well, how about this? One of the most incredible uh, stats that somebody just brought up to me the other day uh, – Joe Thomas not missed a play in his career. Not a play hmm. in eight years. You don't get dirt in your eye and have to come off the field for a play. Right. <laughs> That's kind of like my record on a podcast, you know. Listen to him. Yeah. Since Friday, you haven't but, missed I mean, a single podcast. I would love, can we get research on that? I mean, to play that position, I, right. I get not missing a game. I get it. But not a single play. And part of that has to do with the fact that Browns were, you know, early in his career, never, you know, blowing anybody out or, you know, need to rest your starters mm-hmm. or anything. But every single play, that's amazing to me. I'm sad that he's already been around for eight years. Man, yeah. time goes by too quickly. Handsome, what did you think about uh, the coach of the Browns? I thought even in the loss, and we talked to our pal from uh, around the NFL, the great scribe Mark Sessler, who said, I'm tired of moral victories. But, you know, listen, I, I feel like if I'm a Browns fan today, I feel kind of good that at least, I mean, that game had, you know, 40 to – 10 written all over it, and instead they come back and just about take it. Right, but I think that if you're a Browns fan, you do feel good about it. The best thing, though, you feel is that Mike Patton said after the game, the, the NFL is a pass-fail league, and we failed today. He's not he's not dressing it up as anything other than a loss, and I think that's the important thing. They're, gonna, they're not looking to be like, oh, we acquitted ourselves well within the division. Like DJ said at the beginning, they've set their, their eyes on, we want to be the best team amongst these four, and, and we're going to do whatever we can to do it. Who did you did you anticipate that we were going to see Johnny Football in the second half? Did you start thinking about any of the the long debated quarterback battles that some guy some, one of these coaches is right. going to pull the trigger here? I didn't. I actually thought that he would. This week he was definitely just a threat. I would say week two, week three, suddenly you'll see him a little, uh, you know, appear a little bit. But I think he was a better threat for the Steelers to have to think about for the last two or three weeks rather than actually playing him. DJ, who's in the most trouble of the, uh, you know, the the teams that we, I guess, most of us considered to be contenders? Who looked trouble? Uh, are you worried? Well, I mean, we all punted. I know you we said all the punted, We all punted on Kansas City before the season, right? We Correct. all did. Right. I'm talking That's about a bad outfit. Yeah, boy, oh boy, and then they lose uh, Devito. They yeah. lose Derek Johnson. Yeah, they're... I mean, I, I have I picked uh, Tampa as my wild card, and up front on offense did not look good. You're worried about that. What about the Green Bay Packers? Or is that I, to I me? I excuse okay. that as a plus. Uh, that's that's you're 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 going into a pretty tough spot to play on the road opening game. A Thursday lot of people night. are throwing dirt on the Packers after that. That they no, are the wrestling of around that's, the that's, NFL that's is premature. That's it's a very early to be doing that. I listen. I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, coming off of my pick of that team going to the Super Bowl, though. I'm. Uh, I'm honestly concerned. I what just want to circle back real quick. So by. By the end of the year, is he going to be comparing Le'Veon Bell to what Gil Sayers, or is it going to be Eric Dickerson? I think we got most of the way there. Uh, I think we got most of the way there. I compared compared his shiftiness to Shady McCoy. I did. That's all I did. I didn't say. Who do you compare Shady McCoy to all the time? I don't know who Gail Sayers, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. So what That's you're right. really saying is Le'Veon Bell is I Barry Sanders. I compared one aspect of one game of a player to another current it's player. It's my fault, That's DJ. not that outrageous. I set him up with this, and yeah, now he, he ran away with it. By the oh, way, shame on you. Like all. Barry Sanders Shady's or Le'Veon Bell would. Shady's official forty time four five. 
flat. Oh, oh wow. So he blew him, he really does yeah. blow him away. Yeah. You guys totally. are both right. Pat each other on the back. Make sure <laughs> when we finish the podcast, you guys give each other a handy uh, 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 a hearty handshake and uh and a hug maybe. Um what about It's the worst what? comparison I've ever heard. <laughs> The worst. <laughs> the worst comparison you've ever heard is. Did you see the? Did you he see can the make, open He can make running? some people miss, but I'm Shady talking about McCoy's lateral. Speed. His lateral quickness is not. That's he's on a different planet than Le'Veon Bell. And Damon Shake's a genius. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> Just in time, AJ Hawk. I appreciate you helping me out there in the come on, player. Now listen, I am. All I the said worst. was, for the record. <laughs> That is not the worst. It's the I, worst. I'm talking about full speed in open space, cuts and making defenders look uh, look terrible. That's the only thing I think. I, I think Jaquiz Rogers did that more effectively than Le'Veon Bell did yesterday. You know who else is really like Allen Iverson and, uh, and Magic creep. Johnson? Uh, Very similar. That is Very not similar. at all. Uh, uh, you know what? I hope everybody feels good about themselves. <laughs> he has quicker feet than Messi. What what happened? Soccer here? reference. I think. I think. I think. I think. Thank thank you, Black Tie, for killing the momentum, the avalanche against Dan. We had, we had to move on. So we're gonna ask. So I want to ask you about this one. Then I don't know if you noticed it, and it's a small sample size, but it is remarkable that several QB, seven by my count, who are in the ballpark of twenty million dollars annually, went zero and seven. They threw 11 interceptions and eight uh, touchdown passes. Meantime, there's a quintet of five quarterbacks who certainly are not headed to the Hall of Fame. Guys like uh, Derek Anderson and, uh, and, and uh, Brian Hoyer, who threw zero interceptions, eight touchdowns as well. But they were three and two. What do we make of this? Just a blip? Forget it? Who cares? Week one. The... It's week one. It's a throwaway. Yeah. All right, we're not going to make a big deal out of that one. Handsome? Well, we'll see. I mean, some of them are on bad teams. You know, the money the money that's been spent on them is one thing, but they're just on flat-out bad teams. What about RG3? What did you see about RG3, Handsome? Did you, do you think he gets it right as the season goes along here? I don't think RG3. I mean, I haven't seen anything that makes me think. If you, if you, if you took the, the pads off, you took the shirt off, and you said this guy is the same guy as, as the rookie we saw two years ago and got excited about it, I think you'd, be have, a, you'd have a pretty hard time saying, oh, yeah, that's the same player. DJ, whose fault is this? Is it RG3's bum knee? Is it Jay Gruden? Who do you point the finger at for what's going on with RG3 now, now that his third season is underway. You're going to love this answer, Dave. Don't you dare make any snide. Is it Dave's fault? No, no. It's very complicated. It's a complex situation. There's not a quick answer. And I'm going to save it for the Move the Sticks podcast. What a crazy If he comes on here to shit. You like that? What? No, I don't like it. I think you're a shill is what I think. For yourself, No, I sir. gave you everything. I gave you all of me. That's like a John Legend I'm song. I'm definitely going to listen. Um, but uh, that one, uh, I'm saving. No, I, I, it's interesting. It's an interesting discussion. All right, before we get to Stevie Johnson here, real quick, the shameful slash ugly. And to me, it wasn't an altogether hideous performance, and it certainly looked like it was going to be for the home team, the Dallas Cowboys, hosting the San Francisco 49ers. They actually kind of got into the game as things went on there, a little bit at least. But, I mean, everything about that, especially the first 10 minutes, the cutaways to the crowd, it seemed like it was half filled with 49ers fans. First of all, what gives? This is America's team? It's not even Dallas's team based on what I see on the screen. One. Two, 
all these Romopologists out there who always hang their hat on the idea that poor Tony Romo is, you know, he's swimming upstream. And what's he supposed to do? He has no talent. He has to force throws. What other choice does he have? Then DeMarco Murray goes out behind a good offensive line and puts up, uh, puts up what, 120 yards on 20-some carries, 22 carries? What are the Romopologists supposed to do now? Who can they blame for those hideous three picks that Romo threw in the first half there? DJ. Well, the first thing I would say is when I watched him, to me – he looked incredibly stiff. He looked he looked like it was painful it, to do He did not. Everything. He is somebody that's hard to do this when we're, we're on audio here, but he throws with a lot of torque. He's he's uh, a lot of rotation mm-hmm. in his upper body when he throws. Some guys kind of throw more with their feet, and the power comes off their their feet from the ground. He his it generates a lot of power from the torque of his upper body, and that's the same with Aaron Rodgers. If you watch Aaron Rodgers, the velocity he'll generate, he won't even have his feet in the ground. He'll be up in the air, and you'll just see that violent kind of torque. And when you watch Tony Romo, he was gingerly throwing the ball, and he had nothing on it. He just there was not a lot of rotation. So to me, the stiffness in his back—that I don't know how that can't be an issue there when I watched. And that was the first thing that jumped out at me. The second thing was, Des Bryant is a freak show, and we know he's a freak show. But he was forcing him the ball, and the 49ers were determined to try and take him away. Uh, there was a couple times there's three dudes around him. He's trying to cram it in there and go back to the back. He didn't have enough velocity to get it there. Are the 49ers in trouble? I still, you know, one game, they're playing this is a, a tough team one. that I think I mean, is lousy. Yeah. Carlos Hyde, I mean, what they have to do I is, and we'll Carlos get to Hyde. this with Stevie mm. Johnson too, that's what I've been saying all off season. they have to flip basically philosophically and just be a team that is aspiring to 35, 40 points a game because that defense ain't going to hack it. Well, in the first half, you know, he generates some turnovers. The one thing I'll say is this is a team that's just kind of – they just need to hang around. Hang around until Alden Smith comes back, and we'll see what happens with Navarro Bowman. But if they can be a team that's, you know, 500 or a little over 500 and they get Alden Smith back, and you saw, I mean, Justin Smith, does he age? I mean, he is so physically dominant year after year. He had two sacks against the Cowboys. Now you pair him up with Alden Smith again, that'll cover up some of their other issues. So they need to just they need to just kind of stay in it. And this is one win to put them there. Last question, and I, this just occurred to me, but I did want to get to this near the top when I was uh, when I was yapping about Ray Rice. How tough? And you know, some people say you know it's not a football issue, but I mean, these guys have to go play a football game now on Thursday night. This is really bad timing. I mean, is this is something on this level? Jim, Har- I mean, John Harbaugh is having a press conference about it on Tuesday. How, is it is it something that it's easy to comp- how hard is it I guess to compartmentalize and say hey players we gotta because you know in football terms and it's not what matters most and all that kind of stuff but the Ravens practically could be down o two not just on the season but they could have two home losses within the division against the two teams they presumably are going to have to get past to get into the playoffs in the Steelers and Bengals how bad is it right now to to say we got to look at the film and get ready for these Steelers. Well, I mean, I I think it's it's a major issue. Obviously, the severity of it. I mean, that's a whole different discussion. But um, you know, I just mean practically in like you know on Tuesday and Wednesday, like hey, the game starts in a couple hours now already, guys. Yeah. We got to be ready yeah, for you this got, game. You got to try and get focus on the next team that you play, and that's going to be a challenge. But to me, it was you know this is a team that's just trying to maybe split these first two games, get Ray Rice back, and and then hope they can kind of get into a rhythm. They're not offensively. They have no identity right now. They throw the ball sixty something times with Gary Kubiak. That's not a formula that's going to work. Justin Forsett is not built to last to give him a lot of carries. Pierce didn't look good. 
Telefaro's a rookie who, you know, he's okay, but he doesn't get me all that fired up. I mean, you have a major hole at the running back position on a team that was trying to be more physical than they were last year. So this is a major – it's a major blow to their football team. They, they, they don't look good to me on the hoof, and, and now you try and say this division – Man, I don't see this being a playoff team at all. I, I mean, I agree with you, and I do not. Uh, you know, I uh, again, I understand the uh, you know the significance of of the real life aspect of this, but from a football perspective, yeah, this is this is bad news for the Ravens right now. With uh, you know, in the, I, it must win in week two is uh, you know that's uh, an oxymoron, but this is about as big a game for a team that aspires to be playing in January as there is. They lose this one, and they're down 0-2 within the division just. Right. I think it's it's somewhat similar to what happened with the Dolphins last year with, with the incognito deal and all the, the bullying in the locker room there, and that kind of affected that, that team in the locker room. But they, they you know, for at least a period of time, managed to come together and sort of used it to uh, to unify the team. I wonder if the Ravens will be able to, to do that and say, okay, well, look, the pressure's on. Now we have to step up. Real quick, you know, we always do these draft do-overs. What would you do? And usually we do that three or four years down the line. But Timmy Jernigan, the player I love, I thought he was he was a great value where they got him at 48. Carlos Hyde won at 57. Yeah. Was that you who tweeted out on Sunday that uh, the two running backs went ahead of him, that Sankey? No. Somebody tweeted out Bishop Sankey and Jeremy Hill went ahead of Carlos Hyde, and uh, those two teams must be kicking themselves right yeah. now. I, I mean, that I, Carlos I, I Hyde. Got, I think I got one right at least. I had Carlos Hyde as my, as my top running back. You had him in the first round, I think, in yeah. a mock draft, and no one else had him in the first round. As opposed to Levy and Bell, because all running backs don't from me- this point forward me- are going to be compared to, to yes. Levy and Bell. Don't mention Justin Gilbert. Imagine Justin Gilbert. What about him? He looked really, really bad. I know. They've already cut him back. They say he's not <laughs> going to be playing a great deal there. Yikes. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, Carlos Hyde is opposed to, like I say, the patience that Levy and Bell seems to show in finding a hole and then exploding. Carlos Hyde he takes goes. the ball at 100 miles an hour and does, and, and does not break stride. Right, right. It's got to be uh, daunting to jump in front of that guy. Last question, and then you can go for Stevie Johnson. Is there anyone in the NFL who could make the play Roethlisberger made on the Antonio Brown touchdown pass? Daniel Jeremiah, I turn to you. It's a big-time play. I, I don't put anything past Aaron Rodgers. So And, and Andrew Luck, one. maybe. Andrew so Luck. That, that would be my three. And Blake one. Bortles, according to Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. All right, fellas. What a pleasure. Football season is back underway. We'll look forward to kibitzing with you early in the week and then handsome you, me, Elliot Harrison. We have Nate Burleson coming in studio, suit, uh, into Studio 66. Maximum strength! Later in this week as well, he's always delightful. Maybe he'll he'll even bust a rhyme for us. When are you going to get Metcalf and and Le'Veon Bell on the show together and just kind of just just go piggyback just right off of their styles and how I, you know they're identical? Right, Dave Meggett, you going to get Meggett on there? Yeah, too? Yeah, That's Maggot's... why Le'Veon Bell's special is because he's big and yet he and yet he he is uh, he has those loose hips like uh, your scouting type likes to say there, DJ. All right, let's let's get to our friend here. Is he is he calling in now, Black Tie? I don't need to be treated this way any longer. <laughs> I want to talk to a friend of mine, and his name is Stevie Johnson. You listen to Dave All right, here he is, fresh off his first victory in his first time in uniform in a regular season game with his brand-new team, San Francisco 49ers wide receiver Stevie Johnson. What's the poop, fella? Uh, man, just... Feeling good about the win in week one and uh, ready to get back to work tomorrow. 
Hey, I mentioned uh, I mentioned the new duds that you're wearing there. You've gotten pretty lucky in the NFL with the uniforms you get to wear. The Bills have handsome uniforms, at least since they went back to those those cool ones. And now you get to wear the Niners one. Which one's better, do you think? Any uniform. Yeah. No matter, we're going to make it look good. Oh, either one. You, that's, see, I like that sense of confidence that you have, Stevie Johnson, that you will make any uniform look good. I hear your noise on that. All right. What was it like on Sunday to be in Dallas against uh, you know a longtime rival for the 49ers, but the team wasn't very good? Was it were there more Niners fans in the stands than Cowboys fans? Because that's how it looked on the TV. Um, yeah, we. I mean, we were we were pretty deep. You know, you look you look to the left, and it was just like a sea of red. You know, and um, mm-hmm. it, just, it felt good to see that. You know, that the, the fans were traveling with us, and um, you know, we went out there and we handled business for them. You know, I uh, I made the case about a month or so ago that uh, that the Cowboys shouldn't even really be America's team anymore, and I would say that maybe the Buffalo Bills could be. The Niners have a pretty strong fan base. The Steelers, how say you? Who is the true America's team in the NFL? Um, it's the I mean, it's the Cowboys. You're going to keep it with the Cowboys, yeah, even after what you with, did to them yesterday. Just leave it with the Cowboys. Well, then it wasn't very patriotic what you did to them on Sunday, right? Yeah, well, you know, we, we handled our business. You know, they tried <laughs> to fight back. And, uh, you know, they actually they actually made it made a good effort, you know, uh, mm-hmm. late, late on in the game. You know, but, uh, you know, we, we kept it. We kept the lead and, and got out there with a win. You know, the offense really did uh, look good, especially in the first half there. And has there been talk in the locker room clearly without Navarro Bowman and Alden Smith for the first half of the year, all the other stuff going on on the defensive side of the ball, has there been an acknowledgement by Harbaugh or maybe by Colin Kaepernick and the rest of you guys, hey, we really have to pick it up this year. The offense has to score more than it has over the last three years. No, it was was nothing about that. It it was just uh, over this preseason. You know, um, then that practice, you know, the the defense was, was looking real good on us. And, mm-hmm. you know, us as a, a competitive offensive group, and, you know, we know we're deep. We know we got talent. You know, we had to uh, we had to start clicking. We had to get things right. And I think that's what that's what we did, and, and that's what we're continuing to do. And um, we're just feeding off of each other. The offense feeding off the defense, and the defense doing the same um, with us. Well, it seems like a pretty big sea change for you because in Buffalo, so much, so many of the seasons you were up there, you were it, you know, in the passing game. It seemed like take Stevie Johnson away, and the Bills are going to have a hard time throwing the ball. Now you go up to San Francisco, and it's uh, you know it's Bolden and it's Vernon Davis and Crabtree and Brandon Lloyd, and the list goes on and on. Is it weird for you? Do you are, are, has it occurred to you, man? I may not see more than two or three targets a game just because of all the pass catching options that are out there with me. Um, we're not we're not looking at it like that. It's fun, you know. It's a it's a bunch of it's a bunch of guys that's you know we like we like brothers now. You know we've been with each other for for a few few months now, and um, you know we just we just want to see each other do good, and we want to one up that that person, you know, and that's that's the competition in us and. You feel me? That's 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 how we go about our business. You know, if we get that one catch, try to make that one catch some some vicious, some crazy, hmm. and um, you know, we'll try to compete off of that, and then you know, we'll go go along from there as a team. All right, Stevie, but tell me the truth. Just you and me. Let's let's uh, no jive here. Who's the best pass catcher there in San Francisco? You can say you. Uh, if that's the case, you can say you. No, nah, we get we we give it to where it is, and, and that's uh, Anquan Bolden right now. He he leading mm. us on the on the catch board. So um, we'll give it to Q. 
I got you. And what about Colin Kaepernick? Is he the most talented QB you've ever gotten to play with? Uh, yeah, one of the most one of the most versatile. You know, and um, you know, I also say that because uh, you know we end up building a lot of chemistry um, real fast. You know, and um, it was it was easy to, to click. You know, so that was a. Uh, that was pretty cool for for myself and for for us as a as an offensive unit to use all our weapons. So, um, you know, we got got our hours in and and put put some work in, and, and you know, we we uh, we starting to roll as a, a offensive unit. Any discussion Sunday night football coming up against the Chicago Bears? A lot of people circled their pass catchers as the best in the NFL. Is there any sort of chip on your shoulder among? your guys there in San Francisco, hey, let's show them who the the true best wide receiving core is, or does that sort of thing matter to you? Um, I guess if you think in, as an individual, you know, mm-hmm. um, we watch a lot of players lo- around the league, and, you know, we give props to them, and then when you see them on Sunday, you want to, like, again, once again, like you do with your, with your brothers, you want to one-up them. You know, so individually we'll probably be thinking about that. But overall, we're just thinking about dominating in every phase and, and, and winning. I hear you. But, all right, what is the best? I, I, let's leave the Niners out of it. If you really want to make a strong case, you can say the Niners. But to you, what is the best uh, core of pass catchers out there? You know, like I say, the Bears look good, the Broncos, the Saints, maybe you guys. It's a, it's a lot. We'll see. We'll see at the end of the season. You know, last year, last year it was it was the Seahawks. Everybody thought it was somebody else, but it was at the end of the day, it was the Seahawks <laughs> receivers that was the best. Yeah, did you, just speaking of that, did you watch them on Thursday night? And did uh, and did you guys say, "Egad, they look good again"? Uh, I've seen I've seen some uh, highlight clips. I didn't see the game, but mm-hmm. um, from the looks of, from the score, it looked like it was it was pretty dominant. Have you gotten to play up there yet? No. I, that, that, man, I was up there myself on Thursday, and it does get loud in there. I'm not trying to put it in your head or anything, but just be ready there, Stevie. Yeah, definitely. Can't get some cotton know. balls or something. Just, you know, put them in your ear so that the crowd doesn't get in uh, too much into your head. Uh, yeah, talk about right talk about real quick uh, what's going on with you and Vizio. Yeah, right now we got a, got the Vizio TDs for TVs, and every every week a fan will receive an a M-Series smart TV. You know, and when I score, it'll be upgraded to the P-Series ultra hd tv so um you know we'll also be the boys and girls club of the city that i score in we'll also receive a television um all they got to do is sign up on vizio.com backslash tds for tv and um and win and win yourself a television Ooh, that sounds pretty yeah. good and where at whatever city you're in so you exactly. could you almost uh gave uh the the uh boys and girls clubs a uh, boys and girls club of dallas a a tv and uh and we'll see what happens this week um do you guys uh, and, and just back to uh, some uh, 49ers offense stuff real quick here. It looked on on my TV like Carlos Hyde was hitting those holes at full speed. Has there been any discussion? Let's give Frank Gore a little bit of a blow here at 31 years of age and keep him fresh for the playoffs. Is it a matter that the talent of Carlos Hyde can't be denied? Are we going to see more of Hyde as the season goes along here in your book? No, well, really, it's just it's just talent. We got a we got a strong team. You know, Frank can go a whole game. Mm-hmm. You know, is it, no, you know, if he need a blow, not like Frank, he can go a whole game and he'll let you know that. But um, you know, we we got Carlos Hyde, and, and why not why not play your talent? That's the unique thing about uh, this San Francisco team is you know uh, I've, I've only I don't want to speak about the past, but you know we we play our talent, you know, and we go and we use them. So. 
Carlos Hyde came in. We know he can he can run the ball, and you know he works hard, and um, you know he he showed it. You know, so we we just showing that we got a lot of depth, and um, you know, hopefully we just keep it going. All right. Well, listen. We wish you the best, Stevie Johnson. You've always uh, been good to us when you come out here in the Culver City or on the telephone. You're one of the true delights in the NFL. So we wish you, like I say, nothing but the best in 2014 and beyond. Go get them on Sunday night and uh, be on the lookout, everybody, for Vizio when Stevie Johnson and the Niners roll to town. You and the uh, Boys and Girls Club in your town could uh, wind up with one of those Vizios. So thanks for the time, pal, and uh, and uh, hopefully we'll see you here in Studio 66 sooner rather than later. Definitely. Y'all take care. All right, good times, and uh, and again, well wishes to Stevie. Thanks to Daniel Jeremiah. Make sure you check out his tremendous new podcast, like everything else he does. It is terrific stuff for any football fan. Great insights and uh, delivered with the usual mirth that you've come to expect from him and from the Around the NFL guys on their podcast, and hopefully here on the Dave Damashek football program, among whom is uh, among the uh, gang that comes in here regularly. Handsome Hank, thanks to him and Muzzletov to his uh, Miami Dolphins. And like I mentioned uh, a little while ago, Nate Burleson coming into Studio 66 later this week. The Red Challenge Flag pick segment for Week 2. Lots of good times lay ahead over these next four or five months because it's football season, everybody. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce later in the week. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.